This is the 10th in the series of podcasts produced by the British Society of Haematology, exploring guidelines for the management of haematological disease. This podcast is being recorded over Zoom due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, and we apologise for any loss in sound quality that may occur. I'm Nilima Parry-Jones, haematology consultant at Anirum Bevan Health Board in Wales. I'm here to talk to you about our new updated guideline on the diagnosis and management of classical hairy cell leukemia and hairy cell variant. This is an update on our 2011 guideline and is needed because of important advances in the understanding of the biology and resultant improved diagnostics, as well as advances in therapeutics over the last few years. Importantly, it is now clear that hairy cell variant is a distinct and separate disease from classical hairy cell leukemia. This is reflected in its recognition as a separate entity in the latest WHO classification of 2017. The writing group for this guideline comprised myself, Dr. Anurag Joshi, consultant haematopathologist in Cardiff and a member of the All Wales Lymphoma Panel, Dr. Francesco Forconi, consultant haematologist Southampton, and Dr. Claire Dearden of the Royal Marsden Hospital. Our literature search covered the period from our previous hairy cell guideline to this year. Hairy cell leukemia is a rare disease, with most haematologists only seeing a handful of cases in their careers. Classical hairy cell leukemia accounts for just 2% of lymphoid leukemias. Hairy cell variant is even rarer, one-tenth as common as classical hairy cell leukemia. The two entities have different cytological, hematological, and immunophenotypic features. The BRAF V600E mutation was reported by Tiachi and colleagues in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2011 and is now regarded as a disease-defining event in classical hairy cell leukemia. It is absent in hairy cell variant. I will now go on to summarize our guideline in the following sections. The first part will cover clinical and laboratory features. The second part, diagnostic tests and differential diagnosis, including use of molecular genetics. And finally, part three will cover therapeutics and response assessment. Part one clinical and laboratory features. Some patients with hairy cell leukemia are asymptomatic with incidental finding of pancytopenia. Others present with lethargy or infection. Symptomatic splenomegaly is unusual, although the spleen is frequently palpable. In the blood, monocytopenia is an almost universal feature of classical hairy cell leukemia in contrast to hairy cell variant, where it is not a feature. Indeed, here there is often a leukocytosis. Classical hairy cells have characteristic morphological features in the blood film and are rather beautiful. Medium-sized lymphoid cells with abundant pale blue cytoplasm with circumferential hairy projections. The nucleus is oval or kidney-shaped with inconspicuous or absent nucleolus. The bone marrow is frequently difficult to aspirate in hairy cell leukemia, reflecting fibrosis. In the trephine, 
infiltration can be patchy and it is important therefore to obtain a good sized specimen. The hairy cell infiltrate is interstitial and diffuse and characterized by widely spaced lymphoid cells, often described as a honeycomb appearance. Some cases display a hypocellular marrow with potential to be misdiagnosed as aplastic anemia. Now moving on to part two, diagnostic tests and differential diagnosis, including molecular genetics. Immunophenotyping by flow cytometry, where liquid marrow is available, and by immunohistochemistry is key for diagnosis. The classical immunophenotypic profile of hairy cells consists of bright surface membrane immunoglobulin, bright co-expression of CD20, CD22, and CD11C, expression of CD103, CD123, annexin A1, FMC7, CD200, and cyclin D1. Annexin A1 is not expressed in any other B-cell lymphoma and is therefore very specific. The hairy cell panel of CD11C, CD25, CD103 and CD123 reported by the Royal Marsden Group in liquid marrow can be useful to distinguish classical hairy cell leukemia from other B-cell disorders. Sometimes in this disease, Histological assessment of the spleen is available in the occasional circumstance where diagnostic or therapeutic splenectomy has taken place. Here, there is diffuse expansion of the red pulp and extreme atrophy of the white pulp. These appearances are shared by hairy cell variant and splenic diffuse red pulp small B-cell lymphoma. The latter is included as a provisional entity in the current WHO classification. Appearances are quite distinct, however, from splenic marginal zone lymphoma, where there is an expansion of the white pulp. Molecular genetics. The BRAF V600E mutation, now identified as the causal event in pathogenesis of classical hairy cell leukemia, confers constitutive activation of the BRAF MAP kinase pathway. The mutation might also explain the hairy cell morphology via activation of the Rho family of small GTPases. BRAF mutation testing may not always be necessary for diagnosis of classical hairy cell leukemia, where the other features are typical, but it can be useful when faced with diagnostic uncertainty and potentially also for monitoring where disease eradicating therapies have been used. Finally, before we move off molecular genetics, I'll just mention VH genes, which are typically mutated in classical hairy cell leukemia with unbiased usage. In contrast, around 40% of hairy cell variant cases use VH434 in unmutated conformation. In hairy cell variant, we can also see in some cases by whole exome sequencing activating MAP kinase mutations. This has potential as a therapeutic target. Now moving on to part three, my final section of this podcast, the therapeutics. Availability of the purine analogues, pentastatin and cladribine, 
from the 1990s onwards massively improved prognosis for hericell leukemia patients. And these drugs remain the standard of care for frontline treatment with an overall response of 90 to 100% and complete response of 70 to 90% with a long survival close to that for age-matched controls. Data shows that there is little to pick between pentastatin and cladribine in terms of efficacy. Cladribine is the more straightforward to give with a subcutaneous injection daily for five days, the most frequently used schedule. Both drugs are myelosuppressive and immunosuppressive, making use of prophylactic antivirals and antibiotics, acyclovir and cotrimoxazole respectively, important and sometimes also use of GCSF for neutropenia. Acyclovir and cotrimoxazole should be continued for six months after treatment, but we often delay starting them until completion of the five days of cladribine injections due to a high frequency of rashes when given concurrently. Pentastatin and cladribine being purine on analogues necessitate lifelong use of irradiated blood products. This has been highlighted in the recent update to the BSH guideline for irradiated blood products. Response assessment after frontline therapy should be delayed for four to six months when a trephine biopsy should be taken. Where there is significant residual disease, a second course will often result in a CR. Moving on to treatment of relapsed or refractory classical hairy cell leukemia. Despite the durable remissions achieved with first-line therapy, around half of patients will relapse. Purine analogues in the relapse setting have a lower and shorter response rate than when used in frontline. Addition of rituximab results in improvement, but data on optimal scheduling is sparse. Whether concurrent or sequential therapy is better is not clear. In the guideline, we are recommending use of purine analogue combined with rituximab as the second line treatment. Moxitumumab is a recombinant immunotoxin directed against CD22 and linked to a truncated pseudomonas exotoxin. Administration is by IV infusion on days one, three, and five of each 28-day cycle. Response rates in the pivotal international trial were excellent, with very little myelo or immunosuppression, but there is a risk of hemolytic uremic syndrome and capillary leak syndrome. Moxitumumab is expected to receive its UK license soon, and after nice appraisal, is expected to be placed third line in the treatment algorithm for hairy cell leukemia in the UK. As we said at the outset, hairy cell leukemia is a rare disease and the importance of entering patients, particularly those with relapsed refractory disease into clinical trials cannot be overemphasized. The BRAF-MEC pathway inhibitors, such as the BRAF inhibitors Vemurafamib and Dabrafenib, and the MEK inhibitor, trametinib, are one group of experimental therapies where there is accumulating data. These are oral drugs with response rates of up to 90%, median treatment-free survival of up to two years in heavily treated patients. 
bemirafumib is well tolerated with minimal myelotoxicity. Adverse events are mainly grade one to two, primarily affecting skin, rashes, and joints, arthralgias. The BTK inhibitor, ibrutinib, widely used in a number of B-cell disorders, also shows promise in relapsed hairy cell leukemia, and further investigation is warranted. Finally, some comments on treatment of hairy cell variant. Here there is a dearth of data, it being so rare. We know that response to purine analogues is inferior to that seen in classical hairy cell leukemia. Based on a small published series, we are recommending in the guideline the use of cladribine with rituximab in first-line therapy. There is some data for moxitumumab and for ibrutinib and ongoing trials are warranted. Therapeutic splenectomy may be warranted in some cases of hairy cell variant. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast, which I hope will stimulate you to read the full guideline. I would especially like to thank my co-authors, Drs. Joshi, Borconi and Dearden, and I draw your particular attention to Dr. Joshi's very nice table in the guideline of differential diagnosis and special tests. And I would encourage you to visit the BSH website to listen to more exciting podcasts from the British Society of Haematology about various other important guidelines. <laughs>